0: Hey there, welcome to Tear Jerkers, a mostly comedic podcast where we rate movies on a teardrop scale.
1: Because sometimes you just need a good cry, and we're here to tell you where to find it.
0: I'm actor, writer, and not-quite-90s kid, Maybell
1: And I'm Kimia, a person with a weakness for unshaven, caffeinated artists. Today we'll discuss a movie that many millennials have said makes them cry every single time they watch it. It's The Iron Giant.
0: Ooh, I can't wait.
1: <laughs> Let's get to it. Maybell, what's your background with this movie?
0: So I actually never saw The Iron Giant before this weekend. Um, I've heard about it Mm -hmm. for years. I know that pretty much like every 90s kid was obsessed with it. And it was just like a huge part of a lot of people's childhoods. But I didn't get to see it until I was this year's old. So um, I watched it last night and I loved it. I'm so excited to talk about my ideas and my feelings and just everything wrapped up in this movie. But I really don't have much of a, you know, history myself. So how about you, Kemia?
1: I'm so excited, too, because I was one of those kids that loved The Iron Giant and watched it throughout my childhood. And then continuously because I have younger siblings who watched it when I was getting older. So I've seen it many times in my life. I've loved it in my life, and I'm really excited to talk about it, too.
0: Awesome. Okay, so, Kimia, do you think that you could run us through the synopsis of the story?
1: Happy to. The Iron Giant came out in 1999, and it's about a nine-year-old boy, Hogarth, who befriends a giant robot and tries to keep him safe from the U.S. military. It's set in 1957, so it's the Cold War. I also love to point out that it's based on a children's book by Ted Hughes, which he wrote to comfort his children after the suicide of their mother, Sylvia Plath.
0: Wait, so you're telling me that... Wait, okay. So I know what's going to happen at the end of the movie. Like, I knew that before I watched it. And so The Iron Giant is about Sylvia Plath's death. I had no idea about this before.
1: It's not about her death. He just wrote... the, The book is quite different from the movie, but... Um, he just wrote it to comfort his children after their mother died. Oh. So it's not like a direct allegory. It's not really about okay. Sylvia Plath, but it's it's maybe like more about death, death in some ways.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Um, okay. You know, I have some thoughts about that now that you've mentioned it. Okay, we can get into that okay, later. Okay, I'm so excited. But before we get into all that, I think we need to take a break.
1: Let's take a break.
0: All right, folks. So our episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you today by that one really great handkerchief that you love.
1: I just bought my favorite handkerchief, and it's lovely, and I haven't cried into it yet, but it is there when I need it.
0: It is waiting for you. I don't think I have one specific handkerchief that I love to cry into. I have a myriad of handkerchiefs. It's kind of like a a thing, like a lot of Japanese people have handkerchiefs just like out the wazoo, so... I just have a bunch of handkerchiefs and I use, you know, I could use like three a day and still not need to wash any of them by the end of the week. Um, However, I do have one handkerchief that really does stand out to me just because it is so versatile. And like, not only can I cry into it and also like use it as a towel, but I could also like wrap it around my wrist or like my neck as like a handkerchief scarf thing. So like, I really love something that can double as both a receptacle for my tears and as a fashion statement, I just have to say.
1: I love that too, I'm so glad. Okay, let's get into the movie. How was this movie for you, Maybelle?
0: Okay, so I just have to say that, like, when I was starting the movie, it was kind of late at night. I'd already been exhausted by all the things I was doing that day, so I was just really tired, and I kind of just wanted to, like, watch the movie and zone out, go through the emotional journey, and then go to bed. Um, But at first, I was a little surprised just by the pacing of the movie. It didn't quite, like, hit the emotional moments right off the bat that I was, like, expecting. But I think that's partially because it's my first time watching it versus, like, another movie that it really reminded me of. I will start crying just right off the beginning. But um, it reminded me a lot of Lilo and Stitch in ways, which is, like, one of my favorite crying movies, and we're going to get into it one of these other episodes. But it starts off a lot slower, and I feel like they had a buildup towards the emotional stuff towards the end, which the last, like, 25 minutes or so of the movie was so much faster than the rest of the movie, comparatively.
1: I think you're onto something, though. I think the pacing is a little bit different maybe from more modern children's movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I could pick up on a few of the breadcrumbs or a few of the things that I knew would be more emotional later in the movie, but it did seem... Different. The, the pacing did seem different, and it seemed like they didn't pack as many punches throughout. Like compared to like Finding Dory, where mm-hmm. there were emotional moments throughout the movie, this one just gets gives you a little hint, and then and then it backs the end off. is really where. Yeah, yeah, it gives you a little hint, and then it backs off. Yeah, and then it just leads I, up to it at the end.
0: So one of my first notes here is about when Hogarth's mom like drives out and finds him in the woods and she's like so worried about him that she kind of yells at him for running off. And that kind of made me a little teary. I think it's because I'm starting to get to that age where I consistently relate to the parent figure more than I do to the protagonist figure in children's movies now, especially Mm -hmm. ones that are new to me. Like, I'm always Mm going to watch, you know, Disney princess movies and still identify with the princesses that I watched when I was like 10. But now if I watch a new movie and there's like a parent telling their child, like, you're too young for this. You don't understand. I'm almost always on the parents' side now. Um, Yeah. And and so, like, I could really feel for her concern and her, like, worry for him. So it just, like, started to get me teary-eyed, but then, like, she got really mad at him in a way that I felt was unfair, and that that made me shut down a little.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I felt that, too.
0: Yeah. What Uh, other
1: emotional moments did did you take note of, or what parts made you cry?
0: So the first moment that I truly, like had a tear leave my eye was the first time that the giant says Superman. And that's because I mm-hmm. already know what's going to happen towards the end. I've seen a lot of gift sets and like little videos of the movie. So I already knew what was going to be happening towards the end. So just seeing that get okay. set up made me like have one tear roll down my eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: The first big emotional moment for me, I think, was the deer in the woods.
0: Oh my gosh. When the
1: giant learns about death.
0: I know. Wow. Oh my gosh. Who does that in a children's movie? I, that like really, that made me feel like my tears were getting jerked. Like the the iron giant's first experience with death as this like childlike character. And then having the literal child Hogarth be kind of angry at the iron giant for not fully understanding what was going on and, I feel like Hogarth kind of saw himself in the Iron Giant at that moment and how he reacted to death when he was younger and he wanted, he was, I feel like he was kind of embarrassed by that vulnerability and that was just really emotional for me to watch a child be the quote unquote grown up of the two characters in this manner.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, I also think he identified with the Iron Giant because he would be, like, impulsive or, you know, he's a kid. So, of course, he's, like, doing things and then getting into trouble for them. Um, and then he had to take on that role of being being the person who's saying that's not okay and who's getting upset about it.
0: Mm-hmm. My next note here is actually something to do with that Sylvia Plath context, was it was that line Mm -hmm. that Hogarth says soon after they find the deer. Um, He says, it's bad to kill, but it's not bad to die. And oh my gosh, that that made me weepy. That was just a lot. Like Stories about children dealing with death are always, always going to get me. Because I dealt with death at a very young age, and I always feel like it's, it is this incredibly strong loss of innocence that happens to each of us at some point in our lives and, Mm -hmm. and seeing a young boy already be equipped for this was tragic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That line is really good. It's, it's like one of the most powerful lines in the movie or probably the most powerful line in the whole movie.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, th- I feel yeah. like there are several. I have a lot of quotes out here about just... Ooh,
1: what What are your quotes? I want to hear your quotes.
0: I mean... So there's the one I just mentioned, it's bad to kill, but it's not bad to die. But also when the giant says, I am not a gun, that made another tear roll down my face. And... Absolutely. And like how he says no, no, and he like tries to cover his eyes so that he stops his defensive instinct. Like that, that at that point, I was just fully crying, just tears down the face for pretty much like the rest of the movie. Um, also, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> and then That's also, not weird, right? No, no, it's. I mean, this is the point, right? Like you are thrilled. <laughs> That's the point. That I cried a lot. And that's yeah. okay, because I was trying that's great to cry news. a lot. That's the purpose. Okay, good. Um, the, the line, you don't have to be a gun, you are what you choose to be, was also incredible. I just... Mm-hmm. Okay, and then when the Iron Giant says back to Hogarth as, like, a mirror, he says, you stay, I go, no following from, like, earlier... Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, and then Hogarth saying, I love you, yep. as the robot just flies off, and, and then he remembers Hogarth saying, you are who you choose to be, and then he says Superman as he flies into the bomb. Like, that yep. was all so good, and, like, I'm cr- I'm crying right now thinking about it, because, ugh. I mean, because why, would, why wouldn't why would I cry here? Like, it is... No. It is the thing that every 90s kid grew up sobbing over, you know? like Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I remember that part of the movie differently. I, for some reason, remembered it being a comet or a meteor or something that was going to strike the town and kill everybody, and then the Iron Giant sacrificing himself. But it wasn't. It was a stupid bomb. Sent by the stupid asshole of the movie who sent it, like, for what reason? To be right?
0: I know. I hated him. And then the
1: Iron Giant had to sacrifice himself for that asshole's stupid mistake.
0: I know. I hated him so much. I wrote several notes just saying, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him, over and over again about Mansley is the secret agent. Um, I just think he's He's the worst. Yeah, he's the worst. I think he's so stupid. He's a fear-driven idiot. He's wrong about everything. And the moment I kind of loved but also hated was when Mansley sets off the bomb or sends the bomb, and then he says, oh, we should get to a shelter. And then the general's like, it wouldn't matter because Mansley's Mm -hmm. just been internalizing this propaganda that, like, you could survive an atomic bomb by ducking under a desk which is what they were telling all the kids back then. And they still told us when we were kids the same thing. Um, and mm-hmm. this movie very much clearly states, like, you don't understand what this bomb does. There is no building that will save you, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. the the themes of the Cold War were very interesting to me. Um, I have a really complicated relationship with... That era of our history, because I'm a second generation Hiroshima bombing survivor. Um, mm-hmm. My grandmother was 11 years old when they dropped the bomb, and she was in Hiroshima. She was a few kilometers away from the impact zone. Obviously, she survived, but you know it's a part of my family history. So, like any stuff that happens around atomic bombs, I'm very sensitive about. Um, mm-hmm. And so, seeing this idiot send a bomb after a peaceful town it was enraging for me and like I really really hated this guy like I I've, I think I have here like three or four I think I have three or four separate notes in which I just say wow this guy Mansley I can't believe he did this I hate him um, I know that they're technically not tear jerking moments but I just had to write about how much I hated him
1: He's the worst. He's just an asshole throughout the movie. He's a very well-done villain, I think.
0: Yeah. Because I
1: I hate him so much. Like, he's that...
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, like, another thing, um, if we're talking about, like, personal backgrounds that kind of make stuff in movies very impactful, the part where the train hits the Iron Giant was pretty difficult for me to watch. Um, It wasn't, like, horrible because... It wasn't like live action, but anything around train tracks makes me really nervous. Um, And like seeing people get hit by trains in media is is a trigger for me. Um, So usually whenever a scene comes near a train track, I just like have to start looking away. And then whoever I'm with has to tell me what happens because I can't watch it. Uh, So it was Mm -hmm. it was pretty hard. But then it was really nice to then have them set up. The fact that the Iron Giant is able to rebuild himself. And like without mm-hmm. that, then the ending would have made no sense. Also, yeah. I do have to say, I didn't think that they were going to show the Iron Giant rebuilding himself. I really thought that he like went off to save the day, died, and that was the story. That was it. I was so mm-hmm. pleased. I was. I was crying tears of joy, like, at the end when they were like, oh, but, this, but the little screw, it, like, rolls off. And then you see him rebuilding himself in the Arctic. And I was like, I, this is so much more than I could have ever asked for. This is everything for me. Thank you so much. Like, I was ready for this to be just one of those darker animated movies in which, like, the character actually does die and the kids have to just deal with it. And mm-hmm. I'm o- I'm very much okay <laughs> with having him come back. Like,
1: thank you. Yeah, my mom um, mentioned this movie. I was asking her about which movie, which movies make her cry, and she mentioned The Iron Giant, um, partially because of how he says you can choose what you want to be, mm-hmm. um, and then also because she says it's a Christ metaphor, which. I don't, she's huh. kind of big on Christ metaphors I don't have any connection with them but that part
0: yeah <laughs> that's very interesting to me like I can see it I get I see it I get that kind yeah. of I mean, it's Christ, got layers Christ wasn't a 100 foot robot capable of destroying and decimating cities but like But like no the but maybe people
1: at the time thought he was sort of <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: I, I get well, it. What? I get it. Like two thousand there... years ago a man who could like make the blind see again and heal the lepers and like turn yeah. water into wine. Of and maybe not
1: a... even <laughs> Or maybe not even necessarily like physically destroy a city, but to disrupt the society of a city.
0: I see, yes. They they and are considered To be a threat in that way. Yes. They are both considered disruptive in that sense, I suppose. Yeah.
1: Do you have any other any other things you want to mention? Are there any other parts of the movie that made you cry?
0: Um. Okay. Can we just talk about Dean? Because I love Dean. Oh, yeah,
1: we have to talk about Dean. We oh, I love Dean. Dean. We love Dean.
0: Oh, my gosh. I was just like, eyeball emoji the whole time. Like, I was <laughs> conflicted at first. I was like, are we supposed to think he's hot? Or are we... Are we supposed to think he's gross? But no, he's hot. Yeah, he's hot.
1: He's hot. Yeah. Yeah. I knew from a young age. I I knew for sure. Dean's I, hot.
0: I'm generally not really into the whole, like, forced romance that has no foundation, much like the relationship that they show at the end between Dean and the mom. But at the same time, I was like, mm-hmm. good for her, though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, Dean's great. Dean's great. He's, like, kind of an artist, but, you know, like, good with his hands, like,
0: you know. I, I really liked when he was like, I'm not the kind of guy to report anyone to the authorities. I was just like, he gets it. He's chill. You know, he's not a cop.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's great. And he's just like, okay, I guess I'll shelter your giant robot. You seem like a good kid. Yeah. Even after the squirrel incident.
0: I know, he was so chill. Like,
1: Dean clearly gets children. Yeah. Yeah, he clearly gets children.
0: So one other thing that I was writing about was just, in general, what type of feelings, tropes are being used to elicit these tears from us. And so I was just... And so something that I really like is found family tropes. Like, found family... Loss of found family is always going to get me. I really like it as like a media trope. Um, call me gay, but found family's where it's at. And absolutely. It, it's amazing. Um, so, and then also like some of the like animal child bonding dynamic because the iron robot is technically like not a human, of course. And, right. But it's not entirely animal, but they have that, like, training idea, the concept of, like, the boy teaching what is kind of a pet, because they show earlier the squirrel and all of his other desires to have pets and take care of creatures and train them and, like, be good to them. So I, I mm-hmm. love that. Um, That's and, an interesting thread. Yeah. And also, this movie came out in 1999, and it holds up. There's like not it a really single does. thing that I'm just like mm, they could have done a little bit better there because like for the '90s, I wouldn't expect a lot, but this just this like holds up by t- full 2020 standards, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: It's great. It's a simple story and it's kind of timeless. Yeah. Um, um As long as you're post Cold War, I don't think that this story will ever be Ill- irrelevant.
0: Yeah, that's true. That is true. I feel like. The Cold War and just World War Two in general, I mean, it completely changed the stakes for war stories and for, like, the fear of worldwide death. Um, mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, I fully soaked through the tissue I was using, which, like, I never use tissues when I cry. Usually I will just let the tears soak into my skin because, like, that's how you get beautiful, radiant skin like this. Uh, Is that true? I have no idea. That's just what I tell people. (laughs) Um, But, like, how does Brad Bird always just know how to wreck me? Because almost every single Brad Uh Bird movie that I have seen – has emotionally decimated me. Um, okay, I, I, I think we
1: should make shirts that say victim of Brad Bird.
0: <laughs> if you've ever been personally victimized by Brad Bird, <laughs> raise your hand.
1: Merch alert. Okay, I'll design a shirt for
0: you. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh, and then I did have to say that this morning I got a couple bonus tears because I was online and I came across a Transformers fan comic I think it was a fan comic of the Transformers um, doing a movie night sleepover and the movie they were watching was the Iron Giant. So I've reread mm-hmm. the transcript of the like last few lines that the giant says and I cried again. So bonus yep. tears this morning. Um, That'll do it. Yeah, it was it was really good.
1: That's so good.
0: Seems like we're almost ready to wrap up our review. So before we give our ratings, could you refresh the listeners on our rating scale, please?
1: Absolutely. One teardrop, bone dry. Two teardrops, I could see myself crying, but I didn't. Three teardrops, got me a little. Four teardrops, I cried. And five teardrops, full on sobbing.
0: All right, so what do you rate it on a scale of one to five teardrops?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I didn't actually cry. I like, I got real, real close. My eyes mm-hmm. welled up, but no tears actually fell. I'm going to give it a three out of five.
0: Oh, wow. I'm surprised that like not. I am
1: too. Wow. I had like kind of an emotional week when I watched this, but I think I had like gone full circle and done my crying and then gone back to like happy.
0: hmm. So I, I had I already cried out. Well, sometimes like mm-hmm. if you have a really emotional week you're already cried out. So like a movie that is about themes that aren't relevant to your hard situation, like won't be as effective, Mm -hmm, you know? So I feel, I feel like that's completely normal and understandable. Mm -hmm. Okay. What would you rate it? I give it a 4.5 out of five teardrops. I'm docking it half a teardrop just because of the kind of awkward pacing towards the beginning. I mean, like you Mm -hmm. said, it could just be that, like, I'm used to a different pace in this century for children's movies. But, you know, I I was starting to have my doubts in, like, the first 20 minutes or so. And then it really kicked in. Like, once that climax hit, it was all tears from the rest on out there. Mm -hmm. So I do say that it did deliver on the tear jerking for me. I just felt a little bit weird about the pacing. So I'm going to give it a 4.5.
1: I love that. Okay, let's take a break before the end of the show. Okay. This week's episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by crying in an airport bathroom. Maybelle, have you
0: done this? So I have a very distinct story of when I was crying in an airport bathroom. I was in Italy during my semester abroad. I had a week off to do some traveling. So I had visited some friends in Italy and I was supposed to get on a flight back to England so I could go back to school the next day. And I get to the airport, and I find out that I never purchased my return ticket due to some computer issue. And I had originally thought that I purchased my return ticket for, I think, 50 pounds or so, maybe 70 at the most. Like, I was on a budget, and I figured out how to do all my traveling on a very tight budget, and I was really proud of myself. But... I didn't realize that the ticket purchase had never actually gone through because of the bad email subject lines that the airline was giving me. I couldn't tell what was going on. So I didn't find out until I arrived at the airport for that flight. And obviously I didn't have a ticket for it. So I had to buy a last minute ticket back to England and I used all the money that I had to get back to school. And so I was just... I mean, I cried at the booth where I bought the ticket and the teller felt very sorry for me. And then after I purchased my ticket, I went straight to a a bathroom and sat on the lid of a toilet and just cried and cried about the fact that I was going to have to live off of buttered noodles for three weeks. and Aww. it was rough but also the nice thing about airport bathrooms is that they're pretty private nobody is interested in what is going on with you especially that's true. when they can tell that you're a foreigner because you speak that's true really airports bad Italian. are a lawless land yeah.
1: yeah yeah airports are lawless no one wants to know what you're doing no exactly. one cares about you it's the best
0: yeah so how about you kimia how has crying in an airport bathroom affected you
1: I'm waiting for that one to hit me. I haven't cried in an airport bathroom yet, but I know I will at some I, point in my life.
0: I think it's a pretty reasonable thing for every person to have done at some point, you know?
1: Especially if you travel, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. If you sense.
1: travel, you're going to cry in an airport bathroom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, it's time for the final segment of our episode today. What made you cry this week?
0: Well, Kemia. What first comes to the top of my mind when I think about what made me cry this week would be when I was talking to some of my friends about reading The Goldfinch, because I've been reading The Goddamn Goldfinch for the entire summer. I think it's been three or four months. This book will not end, and I'm just so tired of it. I'm done, but I only have 60 pages left, so I like can't give up right now, but I'm tired, and I'm just really done with Donna Tartt. And I don't want to hear her writing anymore. I'm over it. I I, uh, I, never want to see another Donna Tartt book again. I swear to God. It's okay. I'm not crying now. I just got a little worked up. I'm going to finish the book. And then I'm going to move on with my life. And it'll be okay. Okay? I'm so, so glad. So how What made you cry this week? Um,
1: the fuel for my cry... So I got some bad news um, kind of in the middle of this Mm -hmm. week, and then the catalyst was listening to When She Loved Me from Toy Story 2, which is sung by Sarah McLachlan, which my brother is learning Mm -hmm. to play on guitar. So that's been kind of playing around my house. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been kind of floating around the house for a few days. Yep. And I just had to listen to it, and I did have a big, big cry to that song.
0: That's beautiful. I'm so sorry about your bad news.
1: It's okay. It's going to be fine.
0: But, you know, that's that's what we have tearjerkers for, to help us process the bad moments in our lives.
1: It really is, yeah. Tearjerkers has been really good for me and for my emotional health.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad to hear that. Well, I think that's all, folks. Did you grow up sobbing over Iron Giant? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Do you have a crush on D? Tell us how it made you feel by hitting us up on Twitter at TearJerkers underscore pod and join the conversation with other listeners on Facebook at TearJerkers Community. And if you want to send us a voice memo with your movie nomination and why that film made you cry, you can send that to TearJerkers.podcast at gmail.com.
1: Please give us a five-star review on whatever you use to listen to us so we can infect more people with crying. And don't forget to subscribe or favorite so you can be sure to catch the next episode where we'll discuss the 2017 film, I, Tanya*.
0: And as always, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell someone you know who has a pet squirrel about this podcast. Or if you know anyone who came to the realization that they could choose not to be a gun, tell them to listen to us. Tear Jerkers is produced by me, Mabel Shimizu, and co-hosted by me and Kimia Ranch-Baron.
1: The wizard behind our intro music and the editing hero of this podcast is Gage Pryor. You can find more of his tunes at slash Lincoln, please.
0: Thanks for listening, and don't be an agent manly. I'm, I'm Mansley. <laughs> Why that's that so
1: perfect? <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> the worst. Ugh. <sighs>